Climbing Gold is a production of Duct Tape and Beer, with support from the North Face. Never stop exploring. Dr. Squatch, get dirty, stay clean. Chorus, explore perfection. An element, restoring health through hydration. Hey everyone, Fitz here. A few weeks ago, Alex completed The Hurt, Honnold's ultimate Red Rock Traverse, a project he'd been working on for a few years. It was a link-up of the stunning set of canyons, peaks, and must-do climbing routes outside of Las Vegas. An absolutely incredible feat of endurance. I caught up with him the day afterwards. He was worked, but totally psyched. We both figured that this little adventure should probably have a home on the internet somewhere. I felt like it was an intriguing window into how a cutting-edge endurance feat comes together. We talk Red Rocks, the probability of getting acquainted with a cactus, and the healing power of Oreos. How was it? Like, I mean, were you psyched on it? I was about to say, like, oh, it was great, you know, really nice. And I was like, ah, you know. No, it was good. Yeah, yeah, I did, I did the thing. <laughs> it was... uh it was it was good. I mean, the thing with something like that is by the end, it's never really that fun anymore. You know, for the first 12 hours or so, you're having a great time. And then the second 12 hours, you know, you're like, okay, I'm persevering. And then by the second day, it's it's really not very not very fun anymore. <laughs> so so here are the total specs. So what I did... Break it down. Break it down. Oh, I don't even have a name for it because I was calling it the Hurl, Honnold's Ultimate Red Rock Link-Up. And which is a play on the whirl, which is the Wasatch Ultimate Ridge link up and, you know, kind of famous in the like running adventure scene. So I was like, oh, it's the hurl. It's my version of of the whirl, uh, you know, here in Red Rock. But then recently I started, I rebranded it as the hurt because the Honnold's Ultimate Red Rock Traverse, because it is more of a traverse. You do just cross the entire range from north to south. And every time I came home, I felt kind of hurt. And I was like, oh, it seems <laughs> seems more fitting. It's like seriously, every time I come home, I have like huge cuts all over different parts of my body and like my ankle hurts or, you know, it's like always something feels kind of busted. And so I was like, oh, it's the hurt. Yeah. So the the objectives were to cross the entire mountain range. So either north to south or south to north, just go the entire length of Red Rock and climb as many classic routes and tag as many summits as I could in a non-contrived way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And. Do you feel like what you ended up with is actually pretty classic and pretty cool? Well, I think, yeah, I mean, I, th I think it's pretty freaking cool. I mean, it's the entire Red Rock range, north to south, which is really far. It's 14 classic climbing routes, which right there, I think for most folks, that would be an epic vacation to Red Rock. If they came and climbed those 14 routes, they'd be like, I had this crazy season in Red Rock. It was amazing. You know, so doing a whole season of climbing in a day is always pretty cool. And then I haven't actually counted yet, but I bet I did something like 20 named summits. So when you look at the skyline, literally every point that you see on the skyline, I, I tagged at some point along the traverse, basically. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, it means that if you look at the range, it's like everything you see that looks like something you should climb, I climbed in a day. It's like, it's pretty cool. Mm -hmm. And so what were some of the classic routes that you put together with it? I mean, it's 14 routes. It's like, it's a lot of classic. <laughs> so, you know, this is just from north to south as I did the traverse. So I started with tunnel vision. It's like a five pitch, five seven. Then the next route that I did was actually down climbing. I went down the northeast ridge of Bridge Mountain, which is kind of classic, like five pitch, five six. It's really scenic. And then I got down to the bottom of Dark Shadows, which climbs Mescalito. So I climbed, a, I don't know, like 10 pitch, five eight. Then I down climbed Cat in the Hat, which is... I don't know, it's the other side of the same mountain, but it's 5'6-ish. 
Then I climbed Community Pillar, which is a really cool chimney thing. It's like six pitches or so, but it's a 5.8, but it's really cool. You tunnel in the mountain. It's, it's maybe one of my favorite routes on the whole thing. And then from that, I traversed over and then I down climbed Olive Oil, which is a classic six pitch 5.7, something like that. Then I climbed this thing, the aquarium, which the guidebook calls a thousand foot five nine. But I think I saw it during the link up. I think I did it in 16 minutes. And I was like, I don't think it's a thousand foot five nine. I did it in my tennies in 16 minutes. And I was like, <laughs> it's, it's really easy. It should, people should do it more because it's, it's really quite a nice route. It's probably five seven. And then above that, I did Armatron, which goes to the summit of, of Juniper Peak. That's a, I don't know, six pitch five nine. And then I went down Mr. Z, which is a, another sort of, six pitch five seven maybe then i climbed crimson chrysalis which is a 10 pitch five eight it was what it says in the guidebook but it's a really hard five eight i think that one's pretty hard and that one i did a couple more pitches above it to get up to the rim so that i could get to the next mountain so it's kind of more than the normal climbing it's actually 10a i think to go to the rim and then i went over and climbed this thing the bird hunter buttress which is like a freaking thousand foot five nine up the rainbow wall then I traversed over to the other summit of the Rainbow Mountain and then down climbed Solar Slab, which is a really classic thousand foot five six thing. Pretty fun. Did that in my moonlight. Then I went over to Mount Wilson, which is the biggest and hardest thing, and did Intiwatana, which is like a two thousand foot ten C. But I don't know, the guidebook says ten C. I've now worked it kind of a lot over the years, and I was like, I I'm giving it the official upgrade to eleven A. I'm like, I think it's so hard. Well, I mean, you know, it's it's hard. Like, it's 11A. It's not that hard. But for 10C, I'm like, what? It's kind of hard. And I think I did that at hour 20 or something. It was. It all felt kind of grim. Did you put climbing shoes on for that at least? Yeah, yeah. That was actually that was <laughs> no. Uh, for Crimson Chrysalis, Bird Hunter Butchers, I had climbing shoes on. And then for Inti, I definitely had climbing shoes on. But Inti kind of felt like it, it all felt a little more real than I wanted. And you know, it's the middle of the night, and I was kind of over it. And so I decided to take this scrambling hiking route to the summit of the next peak. So I hiked around and then I did this big hiking traverse down to Black Velvet because then you pass a couple canyons that are kind of blocked by private property and um, basically there's no climbing for a while. Then you get down to Black Velvet uh, where I climbed up in Ephron, which is super classic, you know, 1500 foot 5'9 thing. And then from there, I just hiked to the rim um, and followed the limestone out. So I basically sort of circumvented the end of the range and just like traversed onto the highway. The last mountains, they get a lot less impressive. And, you know, basically, I felt like epinephrine was a fine way to finish. I was like, you know what? This is good enough. Yeah. I mean, it's a huge outing. I mean, that's so many routes. It's a big traverse, a big adventure. You know, I did a thing. It's not quite the thing that I envisioned doing. And it's not quite the the complete traverse of every peak and the entire canyon. I don't know. I just don't know if I care, though, because I did cut out all the parts that I don't really like, basically. Mm -hmm. Like some of the parts are just really junky because there are no trails, no routes, and you're just thrashing up and down hills. So it's, it's not particularly fun. Yeah. I mean, could you even like put a number on the total amount of elevation gained and loss? Yeah, yeah. So, oh, yeah. So I have stats. So I took a, um, a Koros watch in my pocket, which is one of the few devices that has long enough battery life and supposedly good GPS. I'd never used one before, but somebody loaned it to me for this. I took the straps off it. So it was just like a little medallion, basically. And I just left the medallion in my pocket for the entire journey and never thought about it or anything. And then just stopped it at the end. And it gave me a pretty good GPS track for the whole thing. And then actually this morning, randomly, I got all motivated and used a, a root editor because even even the watch with like supposedly better GPS still has a lot of weird phantom pings. Because when you're climbing chimneys, and when you're climbing gullies and things, your GPS will often ping you in weird places. And so you get a bunch of garbage like spaghetti lines on your GPS track. 
so I went in and cleaned up the the trash a little bit. So yesterday the watch said that I did 42 miles and 27,000 feet of vertical, which I was like, whoa, that's that's a lot. Today when I cleaned it all up quite a bit, it came out at 35 miles and 23,000 feet of vertical, which is probably more realistic. I bet the real number is maybe a little bit in between because I think that when I clean up the lines, then you lose a little bit of the the subtlety of, you know, crisscrossing, yeah, the wandering and all that kind of stuff. So it's probably a little more than that, but it's a, you know, I don't know, say what, 35 miles and 24,000 feet of vertical. It's like, I, I don't know, it's it's basically totally insane. Like it's, it's a lot of vert, I've, I've never done that much vertical before. But the thing is, the numbers don't really do it justice because the descent, you know, normally when you say you did, you know, 10,000 feet of vert, it's all on trails. So you're like jogging downhill on trails. This is all canyoneering, basically. It's all scrambling, like chimneying, jumping off of things, jumping onto rocks, like sliding down little slots, and then, you know, gently lowering yourself off a boulder and then jumping the final couple feet. It's like it's just the most heinous terrain. You know, it's all scrambly stuff. And then a lot of it is just down climbing. So I'm literally just down climbing a thousand foot, five, six. And so when you talk about vertical of my vert, you know, 10,000 of it was rock climbing or something, or, or maybe more. I don't know. So it's like, it's hard to compare it to anything. I was going to ask, how many cactus needles do you have in your body today? Dude, I think none. I think I managed <laughs> to avoid ever kicking a cactus. That actually does feel like a peak experience because pretty much every one of my practice goes, I'd wind up kicking a cactus or, you know, stepping into one or putting my hand in one. I think yesterday I managed to go 32 hours without getting impaled by a cactus, which is which is like a peak peak desert experience. I'm like, I'm a true local now. That is. I'm I'm sort of shocked. I know. I know. <laughs> that it's, is incredible. Yeah, it is amazing. Would you just maybe like for people that haven't been to Red Rock, like it is an incredible vista. And especially if you like live in Vegas, you climb in Vegas, you drive out the road. Like how many times, one, do you think you've driven out that road and looked at that skyline? And to just like kind of sum up how grand it is red rock is epic and i mean red rock is actually even more epic than it looks because when you're on the highway and you look at it the road curves and the range goes in this kind of straight line basically you can never see the whole range from a single vista except for a couple key places like if you're up on a certain mountain in certain places then you can see the whole thing and most people when they think of the red rock they think of the part that's that the access is controlled by this loop road through a visitor center and kind of through the park but that's really only half the range i mean the actual sandstone mountains continue for double that distance to the south i think a lot of people when they drive the road they see the mountains they're like oh those are really pretty but they can't really judge the scale that well because they're basically three thousand foot faces even a lot of my friends who are really experienced hardcore climbers when they look at the the smallest peak on the, to the north which is white rock peak it looks really small and dumpy it looks it looks dumb but it's like 1800 feet of, of vertical you're kind of like you know, oh, that trivial little hill over on the right, it still represents a tremendous amount of effort. You know, the higher you get up in the canyons, like, it just is, it's wild back there. The canyons are kind of, like, wild, even, like, where a lot of the route starts. But, man, when you actually, like, walk off one of those formations or you go way back yeah, to some obscure dude. route, it's like, yeah, you can sometimes see the lights of Vegas, but you're truly, you're like, I am freaking out there. It's cool. Yeah, no, I mean, it's impossible to overstate how many epics have been had in those canyons. People like, <laughs> yeah. like, oh, we'll just do the walk-off. Like, when you do some of the walk-offs or scrambles, you find slings and things around all kinds of random bushes and whatever, all from people having epics when they're like, oh, I botched the rappel line, and now I'm just, like, questing down some mountainside. I mean, Red Rock is, is pretty alpine in a lot of ways, which is funny because it doesn't feel like it because Vegas is right there, and there's the Strip, and there's the airport, and whatever. I once had an adventure where I scrambled up Mount Wilson, which is the the highest of the peaks in Red Rock. 
it's kind of like the biggest gnarliest face in the middle and uh it had snowed a couple days before and the temps were really low anyway the whole face of mount wilson was plastered with ice like rime ice like you'd see on Saratoria or something as a as sort of an adventure i sold this route the it's like the south of ret basically so it was basking in the sun that route was dry but then i took a little tagline and i repelled uh the east face which was like in deep shade that time of year and just completely coated in ice. And, you know, I did 20 repels down this face that was sheets of ice. And then there's a big ledge terrace thing in the middle that normally is just third class, like walking down the terrace. But it was all encased in ice. And I was like, this is so mega. And I wound up repelling bush to bush down this thing because I basically couldn't walk down. I was like, this is so hardcore. I was like, man, I'm having like a full on Patagonia repel experience on this (laughs) peak. And, you know, and you can see your car parked on the highway right down below. And and you can see Vegas off in the distance. And you're just like, this is a lot for climbing in Vegas. Yeah. I know you had like, obviously, you timed this to have... uh, pretty close to a full moon. It, and it kind of almost seemed like you set up the crux on Mount Wilson to do that in the middle of the night with the full moon. What was that experience like? I had timed it with the full moon because I thought the moon would be really helpful for route finding. Mm-hmm. As it turns out, well, one, it turns out it was cloudy. And so the moon, <laughs> basically the, the moon started to rise and then it was just hidden in clouds. And I was like, oh man. But that actually, I mean, this is one of those classic things where you just can't judge, you know, like the Lord giveth and taketh away because the afternoon before this thunderstorm system had come through and it hadn't actually rained on me, but it had been very dark clouds and, and thunder nonstop. So it was a little ominous, but it wound up being incredibly helpful because I didn't get cooked for four or five hours of the afternoon that normally would have been sort of terrible. Instead, it was actually kind of perfect and shady and with a breeze. And so I was like, oh, the clouds are really helpful in the afternoon. But then at sunset, when the moon starts to rise, I was like, where's my moon? <laughs> you know, it's all hidden in the clouds still. So I was like, well, that's not that great. And then the bigger thing was just that it turns out all the parts that I did at night were things that I'd actually practiced during the night and the brew finding didn't matter. I knew exactly where to go and it was all no problem. Mm-hmm. And so overall having moonlight definitely makes it all a little bit less scary because you can just tell where, you know, it all feels more welcoming. You can see the other mountains, you know where you are. It all feels a little more relaxed. But uh, But I actually don't think it helped that much realistically the moonlight probably wasn't the most important thing i you know i i should have optimized for cooler conditions or or other things you know how does this uh how how do you think it stacks up against some of the other big traverses that you've done in the past well i think this is the biggest traverse that i've done i mean i think that this is much smaller than some of the giant traverses in the sierra Mm -hmm. but it's a really different character because i mean i don't think there's any traverse that has this amount of rock climbing on it yeah you know to do 14 classic routes i mean it's very similar to what tommy and i did with the cuddle Mm -hmm. uh the rocky mountain national park traverse but i don't know i'd have to see our stats again but i'm no i mean i'm positive that we did much more rock climbing or that i did much more rock climbing on this traverse than we did in rocky mountain and part of that's just because I'm soloing and it's just way faster. How wrecked at the end were you or was it not too bad? Uh, f- physically, I'm pretty good. I don't think there are any injuries. Like, I think I'm all pretty okay. Uh, my feet really hurt from climbing shoes. And can, and even the climbing in my tennies, it's obviously a lot more comfortable than climbing in climbing shoes. It still kind of grinds on your feet. Like, uh, the balls of my feet were killing me. I mean, we got to epinephrine at the end of the day. And, um, you know, Mari, uh, Mari Birdwell, he... Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, totally. He, yeah. he did it with me. And he was supporting throughout and kind of helping to resupply and do things. But uh, at Up and Ephraim, he decided to climb it with me. And uh, I was like, I can't put climbing shoes on. And I, I was sort of intending to climb it in climbing shoes because normally when you're going to do a you know 2,000 foot route that had a bunch of five nine chimneys, you're like, oh, I'll put on my shoes. But I was like, I cannot put shoes on. But I've done Up and Ephraim quite a lot and I have the speed record and, I'm, and I know it really well. And I was like, well, I can probably go up at least most of it in my tennies. 
and I just took my climbing shoes just in case. And then I wound up just doing the whole thing in tennies and, and it was way more comfortable that way. But you know, to be 30 hours into a link up, soloing up an effort in your tennis shoes, you're sort of like, oh man, it's just, it's just a whole different thing. It's like a new, it's, yeah, it's a new way to climb. I, <laughs> I totally recommend it to anyone. <laughs> like on things like that, are you pretty precise with calories and water or is it kind of just a little bit more adventure, a little looser? I mean, I definitely had a plan. I mean, I'm not precise. Like I'm going to take in 60 grams of carbohydrates an hour or whatever. I'm not like a triathlete or something. Yeah. But I had, I was using the pro bar bolts, which are like little energy block things, Mm -hmm. which I really like and and are normally great on my stomach. And I I ate quite a lot of them. I was kind of using them. I was thinking of them as like cold to just throw on the fire, you know, just like try to eat at least one pack an hour type deal. Mm -hmm. But then inevitably on a long, long push, like when you start getting past 18 hours, let's say, the idea of just eating more of the same blocks or bolts or, you know, any kind of energy stuff. Like there are these, uh, I was uh, had these pro bar, uh, protein bar things. Like, I don't know, they're, they're pretty tasty. They're kind of like, they're like long and skinny instead of short and fat. Like anyway, they're kind of my favorite bar like that. And, and this said, uh, I paid retail for all this too. These are all like, I don't have any bar sponsors. So this is all just stuff that I was like, I like this and I bought this. Yeah. And this bar, like like walking from the true summit of Mount Wilson to the south summit of Mount Wilson is like a 25 minute traverse across this big plateau and kind of flat. So it's a good time to like eat and drink. And, uh, you know, it's like one of the few places where you can kind of stroll in the middle of the night. And I was like, oh, I have this bar and I'm starving and I need to eat. And I ate it but it was like it was like i ate a bar of chalk or something i just cannot eat another of the same bar in the middle that i felt so gross and then i went through probably a five hour period where i only i basically didn't really eat much because i just felt gross and like couldn't really handle it and then actually sonny had been making me all these really good toasted bagels with like a fried egg inside with some like some with avocado or like some kind of spread stuff to make it tastier and so i had those at most of the big transitions you know kind of having real food whenever i could in between things yeah and then, yeah, and then I had some Oreos toward the end because Oreos are my version of methamphetamines or something. I was like, well, you know, if you need that magical upper, you just hit the, hit the crack pipe and do one more route. You know, it's like, it's like. Oreos are, are good in those situations. Like, yeah, I, I never tried. I did like, I remember I did like a marathon and there was like one last aid station. There was a trail run and like a lot of gain. And I just was like huh, I never really thought of an Oreo right now. And I don't think I'd had one in like a decade or something like that. And oh, I was like, dude. Dude, I was blown away by it. I was like, that's really good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like... No, that's exactly. Yeah, I'd, I'd bought uh, peanut M&Ms and Oreos as like my backup just in case. Like things that no matter how gross I feel, I can probably still eat them because I'm like, ooh. You know, I mean, who knows if it's some combination of, of childhood fond memories. Yeah, your six-year-old your six year old brain taps in and like, you got this, man. Yeah, my six-year-old yeah. subconscious is like, must eat some of these. You know? <laughs> Which is funny because as an adult, you're like, no, nah, that's pretty gross. But then... But then at the right time, you're just like, pour more of those in my mouth and put yeah. me on the track towards another route. Here we go. <laughs> like right now, obviously, you're probably pretty psyched that you're done with that. But like, will be pretty rad to come out of your house and look up at the skyline and be like, I did that now. Because I think there is something to that when, when you live in a place. It's like, no, 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 that's my backyard. And I did that whole thing. Like, do you think there's a, an extra cool satisfaction about that? Yeah, for sure. I mean, that's a big part of why I stuck with this over a couple of years and why I was motivated to do this traverse, just because we live in Las Vegas. I drive the entire length of the Red Rock Range every time I go sport climbing at Mount Potosi, uh, which last year when Sonny was pregnant and then and then we had a baby, I spent five months going to the same sport cave on Mount Potosi. 
So I basically did the same commute day in and day out for five months. Every time you drive to and from, you see it in different light and you notice different little sub peaks and, you know, little ripples. And you're like, oh, wow, you know, driving home at sunset, I noticed the way the, you know, shadow lit up this one cool thing. So, I mean, you're always looking at the range and thinking about it and, you know, being inspired by it. So, well, I mean, I haven't I haven't seen it again since I since I finished, but presumably the next time I look at the range, I'll be like, oh, wow, that's satisfying. Right now, though, I'm just like, oh, God, my Achilles kind of hurts and, and my legs are, you know, <laughs> I feel a little I'm pretty tired. That's awesome. Congrats, man. That's super cool. Yeah, thanks. I'm just yawning. I mean, I skipped a night's sleep. I'm just like, oh, I'm pretty. Anything else? I, w- I would love for somebody to try this or try portions of this or do segments of it. This is why I kind of want to publish the 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 route like basically the gps track and the route list and the summits and everything because i think even for an average climber it'd be fun to maybe try to do some of the sections because it breaks into quarters pretty well Mm -hmm. and then you can do these kind of fun mountain traverses through the quarters yeah i mean they are that that tick list of routes is like it's like all the best routes in red rock yeah it's mega you know especially for like the the more moderate easier grades like those are some of the best routes in the country at those grades too yeah like realistically yeah for sure no, yeah, to go climb a bunch of very good five eights all day long. It's like, I mean, this is the one of the best lists you can imagine. Today's show was edited by Skylar Perwins and me, Fitzcall. Music today by Dame Asu and Wildness, courtesy of Track Club. We'll be back with a full-length episode next week. You've been listening to Climbing Gold. 